0: thank you for gladness and rejoicing we bless you we praise you we magnify you we exalt you and we lift you up in jesus name amen and praise god amen 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 so um we're going to talk about i wonder should i take this uh remote one off and you guys can work on it do you need it to work on Oh, okay. I got you. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. So I can keep this. Mm, Keep all my stuff. Mm. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So uh, today I thought I'd speak a little bit about the fact that your steps are ordered by the desires of your heart. Amen. Your steps are ordered by the desires of your heart. And I know many times when we're in difficult situations, we don't really believe that or we don't think we think something's wrong it's easy to think we've made a misstep and it's easy to think that we've done something that cannot be corrected uh, when we wind up you know down that dark alley or in that situation where things are looking bleak not just for a minute but for a long time and so I think that that every step that we make, we're on the way to something that's in our hearts to obtain or in our hearts to get to. Uh, It it doesn't matter if there are obstacles in the way. And, I mean, that doesn't mean that you're on the wrong road. Let me put it to you that way. Because, see, that's the easiest thing for us to believe as believers, is that because there is difficulty here, I must have taken a wrong turn somewhere. But that doesn't necessarily mean that. It just means that perhaps what you are seeking is on the path of something that the enemy wants to hold on to. Got me? So you always got to factor in him because he is he is trying to hold on to what he has stolen from people and especially god's people uh because the great trick of the enemy is to make people who are living for him believe that there's no trouble anywhere you know they they think there's an easy free ride everywhere they want to go and so but but so he has to corral a lot of his goodies over to feed his people and keep them going When his stuff starts to dry up, he will start to try and deceive and steal from Christians all the more and block your path of getting it. Now, one of the things you got to remember is as long as a sinner has it, it's in the world system and he can recycle it any way he wants to. Like he can pull from them. You know, he can get people to to start rumors about the stock market, cause it to go down. And so he can pull from some people resources and and fish them over into a different area. He can can do all kinds of things to manipulate currency and mammon because he is the God of this world, the God of mammon. But once it gets in a believer's hands, it's destined to never get back to him. So see, it's out of his pool totally. And, and I'll tell you another little thing about giving to God. And, and I'm not a person who presses people to give beyond the level of their faith or the level of their expectation or anything like that. I believe that God will speak to you if you really want to prosper in God. He will speak faith to your heart and tell you how to give. But one of the things that I do believe about the tithe and about dedicated giving is that once it's dedicated to God, then God is able to speak to you and make things happen for you more as a partner than he can if your giving is, is what's left over or is sporadic or it just stays the same forever and ever and ever, you know, that kind of thing. It, because once you begin to partner with God, he begins to depend on you. And once he knows he can depend on you, then he can make better plans for what he does down here on earth too, you know, because that money is, is like, is in his bank. And it's in his bank not to be pulled out again when people are faithful. You see what I'm saying? So your faithfulness will be rewarded. Uh, your ability to um, do more things freely in God. Like the grace will be there immediately for some things because of your proven faithfulness and your vow to the Lord. So like this I set aside and I don't tamper with it. It belongs to God and I'm not going to violate that, that law. You understand what I'm saying? And so uh, that's the ride or die people with God. You know, whatever happens, I'm still going to be dedicated. This this is God's portion. You know, that kind of thing. And that that gives you a certain level of uh, 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 heavenly credibility, so to speak, Uh, before the throne of grace. It's like Job had. You know, he had credibility with God because God said, hey, uh, I don't know who you're talking about, Satan. You know, I got people down here who do right no matter what happens, and Job is one of them, you see. And so, amen. So we need that God cred in the realm of the spirit because God, like he said about Abraham, he said, I know him. See, many times some the the things that are spoken about people by god come as a response to accusation against them by the forces of darkness you can tell by god's tone you know it's like it's like god is doubling down on you and you don't know where that came from what well, came from the accusation of the enemy who accuses us day and night day and night day and night so then all we're doing is t- we tap into a conversation at the throne room of god where Satan's been there accusing one of God's servants, and God said, I know him. He said, I know what he's going to do. I know I've seen, I've watched him long enough to know his heart is toward me and dedicated to me, so I, I can trust him with more because I know him. So you get a reputation in heaven amen you get a reputation before god when he sees he can count on you to do certain things consistently uh, that becomes your heavenly credibility amen amen and so uh, there is is grace to assure that you will have the ability you know in the open doors that will have to happen in order to do the will of god so you but your steps are ordered to complete the desire of your heart they're ordered by your heart's desire and 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 so in psalms 37:23 it says i think that's the steps of a good man are ordered yeah the lord makes firm the steps of one who delights in him or the king james says the steps of a good man or righteous man are ordered by the lord amen and uh let me see 37 4 what does that say take delight in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and if you can see 23 as a follow-up because he orders your steps and makes them firm so even though you stumble god will pick you up see when it says firm steps it doesn't mean you may not slip Or you may not fall or you may not falter in your stepping. But God will pick you up and keep you on the right path. So don't ever let a misstep or mistake deter you from believing that God will continue to help you. You know, sometimes in in our Christian walk, you know, like when you're in the world, you just kept on keeping on. You You didn't think twice about some things that we let hinder us. Uh, as believers it really should be the opposite but we have to grow in our faith and grow in our relationship with god get to know uh, how his kingdom works and so that's why we're a little cautious and it's okay amen it's okay because then we can uh, proceed cautiously in fact god told the children of israel that when they crossed the jordan river under joshua he said uh, keep some distance between you in my presence which was the ark of the covenant he said because you have not passed this way before amen and so when you haven't done these things before and you haven't really processed and and been this way before it's normal to be a little more cautious and a little more careful but don't let fear overtake you on the path because that is the danger you can be cautious out of reverence and respect to God, or you can be fearful and get paralyzed and not want to go any farther. And so we have to always understand that there is a way to repair things in God, amen, and seek to repair and seek to uh, keep, keep things, um, you know, keep things right. Keep things flowing right. Uh, relationships, keep, the, keep those in an honorable way. Allow God to uh, help you to be bold enough in your relationships with people to uh, be able to be honest and, and just be forthright about things so that these relationships can be maintained. See, they need to be maintained. And so if, if we'll do that, then we'll always have good success on our pathway even though we may have to be you know step back a little bit we might have to examine things for a season or something like that always be in going forward mentality see always be in making progress mentality don't burn bridges you know don't don't get into self-pity and faint and then expect everybody to to give you a pass because you know you're having a hard time or something you know i mean Everybody understands trouble, but don't put that forth as, as a a uh, an excuse for not continuing on your journey, you know, because you'll get stuck somewhere down a street that you can't get out of because you've boxed yourself in, you've imprisoned yourself, you know, with your own excuses. And so uh, excuses are not on this road. Detours are not on this road wrong turns sometimes we can take now i've taken some you've taken some we probably take a few more but you always get back up and get back on the road again amen your confidence in god because what's in your heart really never goes away you might suppress it for a while and you might pretend like it's not important but it is still there you know it is there as a desire to accomplish so don't ever deny your heart the the to express itself you know that that's what i'm saying don't don't make your heart try and make things that you desire go away because they don't really go away too easily why because god put them there you know if there are things that line up with his word and pure desires and good desires god put those there and he intends to do what he says he's going to do he keeps his word and so You know, it's kind of hard if God's looking for you to lead you to the next place that you're supposed to go and you quit. You know, uh, you sick of this, sick of that, tired of this, tired of that. You know, you know the deal because eventually you will faint in your heart. Now, you can't say that much and still say you're in the in faith because you'll kill your faith with what your flesh seems to be tired of your flesh doesn't know anything about god and about obeying god so you don't let it take over and give you expression through your mouth and your hearing and then it will cause your heart to faint the bible says you will reap if you faint not amen and many times the harvest is there uh just as you're getting tired of of tending the the garden you understand what i'm saying and so Can we have all electronic devices shot off, please? Hmm. I should have a, see, there we go again. You taking notes on paper, stay with your paper and leave that thing alone. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Praise God. Amen. Though you listening to Pandora, sitting up there on the front row at Pandora. (laughs) praise god (laughs) all right sister johnson amen what's on the top 40 praise the lord top 20 top 30 (laughs) praise god so god will grant you the desires of your heart psalm 20 verse 4 You've got to remember when you're, when you're born again, there are many things that God puts in your heart that you had no idea were there. So you have to really get confirmation through the word. And I think uh, reading the word and studying the word is one of the greatest things that you can do to strengthen what God puts inside of you. Uh, psalm 20 verse 4 may he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed amen and so this is a blessing uh for the children of israel that he would grant them the desires of their hearts and make their plans succeed you know the bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick you know but when it comes through it is a fountain of life to you so the only way to get back those things that we've waited a long time for is to continue waiting amen only way to get your joy over that is to continue waiting and trust god god knows why the time involved is necessary amen he he has um uh he has things on his mind other than what we have, and and we have to remember that. I thought about that because for for the longest time, I always assumed that God wanted us to have stuff fast, you know, like we want to have it fast, and a lot of it, like we want to have a lot of it, you know. That's the desire of my heart. I want everything, and until I heard a testimony, uh, I think it was it was Norval Hayes gave the testimony some of y'all remembered about the little girl that was born paralyzed or something her mother continually prayed for god to heal her and remember they put the little dress up in her she watched her dress all the time would tell people mama's gonna dress me up in that dress and take me to church And so they say that on the day the little girl, God healed her, they had a visitation from the Lord where Jesus came physically, like in a mist or cloud, and stood there and told the mother, he said, I've come for your words, and I've come to heal your daughter. He said, I waited this long, see, for a reason, because she had been, she had been born with that, if I'm not mistaken, and she was like in her teens. Their mother prayed in faith for years. And he wasn't continually testing the mom's faith to see if she'd hang on for another year. But he said, I've waited this long for, for her to be old enough to go around and give her testimony. See what I'm saying? And so sometimes there are simple explanations for what we consider a delay. But in God's book, it's on time. And we have to remember that, that there is an on-time schedule by God. We can no more order when we can receive things than than, uh, you can order a plane unless it's yours. You know, you can call up the airlines and, and buy a ticket. You can't demand that plane to go when you want it to go. You have to get on schedule. Amen. And so it's the same thing with the things of God there is a schedule set by God that has all wisdom all understanding that will fulfill everybody's desires the desires of your heart my heart other people are involved in these things and those things have to be satisfied as well and so we have to give God credit for being the all-knowing God and the God who loves us more than anything and so as we Uh, proceed in life god orders our steps based on what we desire you gotta understand that so if there's anything wrong it's your fault for wanting it (laughs) you got me and 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 we gotta we gotta own that we gotta own that we are the ones who are initiating uh what it is that god's doing you know what i left a crack in that door and we need to close it because i can smell the back door yeah just pull it on up miss alicia oh we might as well have church out there you know which won't be bad amen praise god so <clears throat> on the, i thought we'd look at a few of the uh um, you know saints in the the word of god look at jesus as well as somebody who desired to obey the father had desires that they uh, wanted to accomplish as they walked the earth and uh and and how these things worked out for them so jesus is the first one i thought we'd look at uh, we do know that he says his will was to do the will of him who sent him so jesus was here on assignment as an apostle and a prophet he was a, assigned a ministry to do the will of the father He would end his earthly ministry in the office of priest, but for the most part, he was in the office of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Amen? And so when he uh, um, fulfilled his earthly roles, and he was here really as an example of one who was empowered by God, who did the will of God. He, He gave an example of how to live for God every single day and so these things were the expression of God but in in human form so that we could know that as we have a relationship to the father this is how you behave this is the kind of life you live this is how you look as you obey the will of the father God and so we know that Jesus preached taught and healed and his major goal in his ministry was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. So whenever the devil flared up, he went into action. Got me? He either uh, taught against what the enemy was doing. He taught the mercy of God and the love of God. And he taught the law of God so that people would know the difference between right and wrong. That they would know something about the new covenant that was coming uh, in in the mercy of God. So the desire of your heart is also the reward of obedience to God. So that that we need to tie it into the fact that you just don't keep walking and walking and walking and getting stuff. Uh, you know, like you're picking off apples off of a tree there is a response to god that is necessary for us to to always have a clear path in the spirit so that we can know which way to go but also god expects certain things from us and one of the ways he assures us that we did good was that we eventually get what we're asking for you got me so it is the reward of obedience Uh, to God when we get the desires of our hearts the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord he will give you those things so if you delight yourself in God you obey him come on now you you don't you just don't have stuff faith works by love I, I, you know, and when I say love, I mean being submitted to God in all things. You know, it's not like you can pick and choose what you want to do and do certain things and don't do certain things and, you know, half obedience and hoping you get something. That's no way to live. There is a way we can live step by step with God every day, you know, and not miss a step. You know, I, I know we do, but don't make excuses for it. Don't set out. To live on the edge of obedience and and plan to do something that's not right and say, oh, God understands and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't want us. you don't have to live that way. And see, when we all look in the word, we see things we desire, but there is a level of obedience to God that would would dictate that you are going to receive that. You got me? You'll never get the faith to receive from God if you're in disobedience. See, condemnation would automatically knock your faith out. It It does. I don't know how y'all live, but I know it hurts me terribly. You understand what I'm saying? And so the only way to combat that, the Bible says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do what? Walk after the Spirit and not their own way. Not the flesh. Not what you want to do. Not what you want to make excuses for and not accomplish because you think it's okay to just do some stuff, but you don't want to go crazy. Huh? So we have to understand that that's, that's a glitch in you. You know, your faith won't work, honey. God ain't stupid. If he let halfway faith people gobble up everything, where would the true believers be? I mean, what, what, what sense would it make to believe God? To make the sacrifices you have to make in order to let God have his way in your life. You know, many of us could be doing a lot of different things. But the love of God constrains us. Not some do's and don'ts and words written down on a tablet, that kind of stuff. But it's what God's placed in your heart. You don't want to have that iffy kind of feel on the inside and you ain't sure it's right and you ain't sure it's wrong and all no you don't have to live like that you can live in lockstep with god every single his footprints are your footprints you got me and you're close on his heels you're pursuing him you're hot after the lord and that's your reward you got me plus he rewards you with the things that you desire that he puts in your heart to want and so don't ever shut down from the obedience factor you know you can't obey god too much you just really can't and don't worry about if you'll be able to have some fun for you huh god takes care of all of that he got that plan for you He got everything planned amen so and he knows what's going to delight his children and he always provides for that so <clears throat> jesus every day desired to obey the father he prayed continually you know, we just see a few instances as where where he departed to pray because the Gospels really are filled with his activities that resulted from his prayer life and from his relationship to the Father God. It wasn't that he was doing anything wrong and needed to keep going to the Father. It was that he drew strength from communion with the Father and instruction, and that's how we're supposed to live you know we draw strength and communion and so what jesus did when he would depart to to go and pray was giving us an example of how you know if you if you want to have the life he had this is how you have it you have it through relationship with god the father amen so he was able to destroy the works of the devil at every turn he was empowered uh, by the holy spirit as much as he needed, so he was without measure in what he was given by the Holy Spirit. So, uh, so Jesus was. Uh, uh, let me see, John chapter eight. We'll go there and look at verse one. I call this the day, a day in the life of the Lord. In <laughs> quite a day, quite a day. John chapter eight. So, uh, verse 1 says, Then they all went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Now, by what authority was he a teacher in the temple? What authority? Who? What group of deacons and elders gave him permission? to? <laughs> well, the anointing did. Amen. The anointing did, because it said people gathered to him. Now, in in really in the um, uh, uh, what you call it um, temple system, uh, it's there's an uh, account of Jesus when he was 12 years old discussing scripture with all of the doctors of the law and and the different teachers and the scribes there so he was known to be studious in the scriptures already and there's probably some leeway in their system you didn't have to be a priest and all that kind of stuff but there were different people who were allowed in there to do work where the scriptures are concerned the scribes were one group of people they always kept record of all of the scriptures they understood And they taught some, too. Because if you look at some of the accounts of Jesus' teaching, uh, it seems that he might have been included in that group. And that's how he got authority to teach there. Because when when he would teach, they compared him to the scribes. Remember that? They said because his word is with power. And it's not like the scribes teach. So you could say maybe he got his authority there, but we it's just not real clear. You know, it's one of those things that is not real clear. But it's, it's clear, though, that God was with him. And he was not uh, usurping authority by going in there and teaching and preaching, not having been one of the Levites. The other thing is that God would always raise up prophets just out of nowhere. So he would qualify as a prophet because he did refer to himself as a prophet. Amen. And so he had, uh, I would say, anointing legitimacy to be there in the temple and be part of there because he was knowledgeable in the scriptures for sure. He was the living word of God. And so he was there in the temple and where all the people gathered around him, he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? No one has condemned you. And she says, No one condemned you, he said no one. He said, Neither do I condemn you. However, go and leave your life of sin. Amen. Just uh, repent and don't go back again. So Jesus never winked at sin. He never. But he forgave sin. And that was the difference between what he preached and what the Pharisees preached because Jesus preached the kingdom of God, not the law of Moses. Amen? But he had to fulfill the law being a Jew and being part of that religion, culture, society, or whatever. So they were still under the law, but the law now has an element of mercy that they had not seen before. I'm going to tell you something to make religious spirits really mad is be a merciful Christian. Amen. Be a forgiving Christian. I'm not talking about being a patsy and an easy mark, but being someone who refuses to judge, refuses to condemn, and refuses to hold grudges. You do that and you lose a lot of religious people like overnight. Amen. Um, So you have to keep that in remembrance that Jesus is not letting people off the hook the other thing is that you can see a picture of their their um the way the pharisees and sadducees the way they interpreted the law it was very one-sided because here's the woman where's the man they both were if you're going to stop sin you got to get at the root of it it's two people involved here where is she the other thing is that when uh, teachers would teach the ground and a stick was their chalkboard so they, you know they would put their lessons down and people would stand there and read what they were saying so that they could see and spell out what was being said and so it appears that jesus was not fazed by what they were saying he just kept teaching doing his job and he got well whoever's don't have sin in them just hit her first and so everybody that that statement was so true and so convicting that nobody had the strength to continue with what they were doing. You got me? And so, and I think, too, they got convicted by their own sin. Because he said, if you're sinless, if you're, you'd have to be sinless to judge the law. And that's what they were doing. And so when he began to speak to them, Out of his mouth came words of power that put such conviction on them, they just gave up on what they were doing and kept it moving. Or they let her off like they let the man off. I don't know what they were thinking, but you know what I'm saying. There was no, he was, Jesus was signaling an end to condemnation for sin. There was no more sin. In fact, he would minister that over and over again. When the young man came in on the cot, when his friends brought him in, he said, your sins are forgiven you. And boy, they got upset because that was a priestly thing. You got me? Only the priest could judge that you had made the proper sacrifice to get out of your sin. And so he was stepping into that, they thought. You got me? But he really stepped in as a prophet and messenger from God, judging whether or not that still applied under the law. So here you see in in Jesus' teaching, you see the kingdom introduced. So their transition, he's appealing always to a higher law. You got me. His authority came as a priest after the order of Melchizedek, so it was before the law of of Moses. It was before. It was not a Levite priesthood. So he's signaling that that thing's being done away with for something higher and something better. And see, all people needed to have benefit of it. The Pharisees need to have their sins forgiven. Everybody there needed to have their sins forgiven. You think this would be good news, don't you? It's never good news to religious people. Forgiveness is not good news to them. Uh, grace is not good news. Mercy is not good news. Forgiveness is not good news. None of that stuff that deals with the true heart of God toward people is ever good news to the religious. And so we have to remember that. You have to remember when you're dealing uh, in situations of God, the fact that there are people that want to hold people in contempt and judgment, that still exists you know you got me and and you have to you have to get around that you can't embrace that for yourself so jesus stays in the temple and uh he he continues to teach um, talks about himself being the light of the world he tells the pharisees they can't go where he's going and then we get on to verse 31, says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold my teaching, you are my disciples indeed. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? And see, that's the other thing about religious people. They're very, what, what psychologists call concrete in their thinking, set in stone in their thinking it's it it has to do with natural things only they can't extract spiritual truth out of anything amen no sense of humor no (laughs) no sense of anything so he says here i said abraham is our father if you were abraham's children jesus said this is verse 39 then you would do what abraham did as it is you're looking for a way to kill me a man who has told you the truth that i heard from god Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. And they said, we are not illegitimate children. So there they go accusing him. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came here from God. I didn't come on my own, but God sent me. So why is my language not clear to you? Because you're un- unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father the devil. Oh my. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. See, the Bible says he anybody who hates his brother without a cause is what a murderer. Amen. And anybody who's not willing to forgive the brother when he has caused is a murderer too. You got me? So he says, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. And so he says here, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? And Jesus answered that. He says, I'm not possessed by a devil. Down in verse 58, he says, verily, verily, I tell you, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, this verily, verily is covenant language. When you said that before a Jew, you were swearing an oath that this was the truth and this was no lie and what you're implying is that if you find I'm lying you can take my life see the 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 penalty for breaking a blood oath was to lose your life your life was staked on it that's why Jesus went to the cross and gave his life in advance payment for us amen for anything we would break under the law a man is paid for and so he's telling them i swear to you on my life that before abraham was i am and it says here at this they picked up stones to stone him because jesus said himself and slipping away from the temple grounds he went away from them so here they feel they have grounds to kill him on the on the basis of an oath that was not true of lying especially in the temple but jesus was telling totally the truth so jesus slipping away from them is not the same thing as somebody who robbed your house and then ran and in their mama's house and hiding your stuff and then when the police come to the door mama tells them he been here all night it's not the same thing when he saved his life and he didn't break the law and get away scot-free when he slipped away he slipped away because he did nothing to be condemned of death for so he was innocent he was telling the truth that before abraham was he am those words i am were sacred words to the jew because they were only uttered by god and i'm sure when jesus said it it had the force of faith in it as though it was the truth remember when he said that when they came to arrest him he said i am he or really one translation says he said i am and king james i am he you got me but even when he said, I am, it said they fell back as though dead. Amen. They were slain in the spirit at his words. So when the the creature tries to apprehend the creator, the creator don't have to submit. You know, he's just going along with the program. But he said, I am. And they, whoop. And so these things are, are evident in Jesus' ministry. So his steps are ordered by the Lord, even though at the end of the conversation, he tried to kill him. Amen for their religious trumped-up charges just like the people we study in voice of the martyrs the desire of their heart is to serve God but they understand that they're in an atmosphere where there's resistance to that and they're going to have trouble with it but they never know how much trouble how long it's going to last if they're going to get out alive they don't know any of that but their their soul heart's desire is to serve God and live a life pleasing to God. And that, that's really what we all have on the inside of us. Amen. I, I really pray that we can all stand up to the test if it's tested severely. You know, we all get tested. Sometimes it's, it's uh, having to wait for certain things and, and certain things that we've always desired. And then we kind of look at it and say, well, you know what, this probably won't happen. But it's not going to kill me that it won't happen. You got me? You just have to come to terms with some certain things, little ideas that float in and out of your brain here and there. and and, and But it doesn't mean that your life is over it's not worth living or it's not a productive or, or a good life it's a good life if you have a life with god you know what i'm saying sometimes you'll be disappointed at things you know you lose loved ones or you know a spouse dies or something like that and you see your dreams and your hopes take uh, an abrupt halt well your life is is still in god you got me And it's not that certain things are removed and you couldn't be happy without those things. You got God on the inside of you. And how do you know that this wasn't planned by him from the foundation of the earth? It's no surprise to God. Amen? That we are who we are and where we are. So we have to kind of temper our faith wishes with a reality. You know, that this is life, and and this is life that I've chosen for myself. Uh, Good, bad, or indifferent, but it's got to add up to this is life worth living because I have a vision from God and a plan from God that will satisfy God and satisfy me. Amen. And so Jesus escapes with his life because he did nothing worthy of being stoned to death. Uh, he wasn't going to bother them with a trial he just left (laughs) until the next time amen and so he'll run into a group of religious spirits again and uh, and have to go through some difficulties but he will make it through every single time so uh, why don't we turn to daniel we'll do him next i think daniel chapter six we'll look at the desires of daniel's heart and again, his desire was to please God. He, he from the beginning, uh, he wasn't one of those people who was in survival mode. Even though he was part of the captives from, from Babylon, he was part of the children of Israel who were led to Babylon uh during i don't know if it was a first or second babylonian captivity but they've been in captive when you get captive it's because you've been in disobedience that's just given and so the nation of israel had backslidden from serving god and here they are being captured by the babylonians and so daniel because of his giftedness amen uh there is a, a a way to judge if, if a person's got it. You know what I'm saying? There's an it factor uh, that God places in, in people. Uh, people who are called to excel, called to lead, called to do uh, certain things. Uh, there's, there's it. I think we had a prophecy uh, because everybody who's born again has it you know, in them as an it factor that the world's looking for, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when I was younger and in modeling, they would they would always say there was an it factor with people who they would want to invest uh, time in to develop them uh, as models. And they would say, oh, yes, yeah, she got it. And then they said, hmm, she really ain't got it. But she can do this, do this, do. but the it people now. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody could tell you what it was. Nobody could describe what it was. But they knew it when they saw it. If it wasn't there, it wasn't there. So people who had it, they would tell them things like that. They'll say, Oh, well, you know what I said? Oh, is this my hair? Okay, girl, don't worry about that. We throw some hair on you. You know, oh, do I walk? Yeah, girl, i teach you how to walk. Don't worry about that. You know, they got all the props, they did whatever they needed to prop you up. If you had it, they work with it. But nobody could tell you what it was. And nobody could, and you couldn't get it. You either had it or you didn't have it. Well, Daniel had it. Amen. And often it is the blessing of God, the favor of God, the gift of God, the calling of God. God's called you to do something in the earth and that's it. Amen. And so he began to uh, respect out of respect from God. Now, Daniel didn't feel like he had it. And this is an interesting thing about it people. They don't really know it themselves. Yeah. I mean, other people see it, but you can't see it real mysterious about it. But anyway, yeah, yeah, right? all I can tell you is it. It ain't it. It isn't. It isn't. You know. And so he had it. And so it was noticed by the king and the people who surrounded the king. Oh, these three Hebrew boys, now they got it. So we'll feed them the best food. We'll give them the best this, the best that. Most people with it respond to how other people feel about it by receiving all the goodies that come with it. You got me? That's why you got it, so you can get what you want out of it and <laughs> so Daniel refused all the trappings that went with it, and he decided he was going to stick with a distance that he felt comfortable with from this new pagan culture that he was bound into uh and he wasn't a rebel, and he wasn't trying to to fight anything. But he respectfully asked the steward in charge of their care if he could not partake of their food. You know, once you get involved with some of these things, you see where the food leads to drunkenness, leads to orgies and all. And Daniel said, I'm not going to have any part of it. So he felt defiled if he. See, this is the thing about sanctification, separation, holiness. God may have you stay away from some things, and you'll say, well, I don't see what's wrong with it. You ever been there? That ain't bad. Just, I mean, what's wrong? You know, quit picking at it. If God says no, you accept it and move on. You understand what I'm saying? Because you have no idea how things can ensnare you when you get a taste of them and you like what you taste. See, that's the biggest fear anybody would have. Like I used to hear, my husband used to smoke marijuana. His little buddies, you know, they get high and start talking, man, I ain't taking no cocaine because I know the minute I take it, I'm going to like it. You hear people say that a lot. And they disciplined themselves enough to stay away from things they thought were more harmful than a little herb. Right, Chuck? <laughs> right, poor Chuck, Chuck had a hard evening. You' okay with me, Chuck. You came to church. That's what I can tell you. but uh you know they they knew it because they knew they were addicted to what they had already. and why get in any deeper? Amen? And that is how associating with the world is for for Christians. You can easily get sucked in. Something you don't see it as something that can hook you, and some friends can do it. Conversations can do it. Things that you think you like that other people have in common. Anything like that can do it. And so, if God tells you to stay away from this, stay away from that, say stay away from that person. Don't, yeah, don't take. Ah, I know you like them and all that, but yeah, ain't right for you. You got to learn how to live a life of separation not as punishment but as being separated unto god amen don't look at your separation as you're losing something like you can't be with people anymore you are being with god you're not apart from like He. i have no friends and i need this and i need why god always treat me like this uh, shut up and enjoy God. He wants you to get a taste for something different than taste, just tasting your flesh all the time. And so we have to be careful about those things. And Daniel smelled the rat in the food. Amen. Before he even got started with it, he said, no, nah, tell you what, I'll make you a deal. Let us eat this food that we're accustomed to. He just asked for respect out of his custom. You know, not condemning you because you eat it and all that, but ask the king if we can do that. And so the, the, actually the steward just kind of did it on his own and watched them to see. Why did he watch them? Because they had it. He knew they would be valuable. And sometimes people will watch you to see if you stay, you don't know why God has you do certain things. People watch you to see over the years if you're still serving God. If you're still praying, what, what kind of church do you have now? What are y'all doing now? Well, honey, we doing the same thing we've been doing for 30 years. We're still praying. We're still preaching. still serving God. Still getting people healed, worshiping, all that kind of stuff. We're still doing the same thing. See, it's nice to have a good report of consistency and faithfulness amen it really is because god knows he can depend on you you don't care what other people think about you you care about what god thinks about you and so here daniel is he's in this kingdom and he passes that test of consecration you got me he allows himself not to be thrown in with the rest of the people who are trying to be somebody you know he decides i don't have to be anybody around here i just want to stay close to god and so his staying close to god was something that that was the desire of his heart and you can see he's sincere about it because he's turned down a lot of things that other people could partake of you know not saying it's wrong for anybody else to eat like i eat or live like i live but for me I can't do that y'all I gotta go home okay I can't just, just be ripping and running everywhere and so <clears throat> in in chapter six we see a, a, a result of Daniel's consecration and when you decide to live holy for God it's going to tick off a lot of people now they don't show you how angry they are most of the time but at, at some point, the enemy's going to make a move towards you if you live right. The Bible says that. You're going to live holy for God. In this life, you're going to suffer persecution. And so this is part of the persecution that Daniel is up against. And, and But his desire, and see, part of it is to see if he'll change his heart and not keep God in the center of things. Just like it is with us you never outgrow your your ability to be tested I guess you could say you don't know, get so old in God that the devil won't try to tempt you with something stupid A step over the line don't do this instead of that cut down here slack off there you know anything like that it's always tempting us to, to either cut corners don't do as much not be faithful amen lack of faithfulness cheats more Christians out of stuff. I believe in than, than most things, because most of us don't just go out and go to a bar and get stupid and all that kind of stuff. It's the little foxes, the little things that creep up on the little ideas that come into your head. Well, see, you don't really have to do all that like that because you mean cut corners, uh, slack off on your 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 moral stance in things your desire to live upright before god you know anything like that so we just have to watch those things and daniel made sure he kept safeguards in his life to keep him consecrated and holy one of those things was praying three times a day you know you got prayer appointments with god throughout the day and you get your your head will go to reminding you Oh, yeah, I got to do that. Well, when you first get up, you you pray. And then you think to you, when it gets to be around whatever, three o'clock or something, I got to pray again. And so it keeps you engaged with God like you can't get too far away from him because you got to go present yourself to him again sometime during the day. Now, with believers, we walk in the spirit of God. So you have a constant contact with God if you sometimes it's superficial Sometimes it's more intense, sometimes it's more desperate. so we' found ourselves down the dark streets somewhere in the desperation cried out but But we do have an ability to draw near to him, not just at set times of the day but anytime. Draw into God anytime you want to and receive understanding from him, direction, revelation, forgiveness, whatever you need. You get it from him. And so, but Daniel, they didn't have that. And so he had to have certain times at, during the day where he prayed to God. And so there's other governors beside him. This is a big kingdom. I think the biggest in the world at that time. Uh, six verses... <laughs> I have verse seven here, but maybe i I uh, let me put it here verse three now Daniel so distinguished himself from the other administrators by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So here we see the king is planning a promotion for for Daniel amen and so it says that this the administrators tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel. In his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. So many times people take interference from the devil as a uh, a prelude to promotion. But that's not true all the time. The devil harasses people all the time. They keep the same old job, same old. And if I got promoted every time that rascal raised up, I'd be queen of I'd be the chief prophetess of Cleveland. <laughs> or the region. The region, sorry. Chief prophetess of the region. So, anywho. <laughs> bad. It says, but they were unable, I know, they were able to, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy. See that word? Faithful, trustworthy. And neither corrupt nor negligent. He didn't put off things that were expected for him to take care of. He took care of them immediately. Finally, these men say, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with his relationship with God. See? And that's when the devil makes his biggest mistake. Because he sees you faithful all the way down the line everything god gives you to do everything you do in your job your work is is flawless and all of this kind of stuff and so he decides to persecute you and say you're doing something against the government amen because you're serving god just like christians in this nation are targeted because we serve god and for no other reason you got me and so these these administrators met as a group went to the king and said uh, oh king live forever he said the royal administrators prefects satraps advisors and governors have all agreed now you got 15 levels of devils agreeing to try and take you out and he says he says we have an issue and to enforce a decree that anyone who praised any god or human being during the next 30 days so they know daniel goes at it three times a day so he's already set up so this just like people who people aren't so much in favor of gay marriage they want to have something to accuse christians of you got me they they could care less if the people got married Well I'm just gonna tell you right now. So if you are trying to think, well maybe that's not wrong, or maybe they should, or well, we don't have to be so hard on these people and we shouldn't point the finger and condemn. Stop it. Stop it. Because even the people who are promoting it don't believe in it. They just want to have something against us. You got me? And so this is what they did with Daniel. They fear we find something against him and his God. And then that way, because we know he's going to pray all the time. We know he's not going to change. We know he's not going to sit up there and say it's okay to be gay. You got me? He's not going to do that. Just like uh, uh, the uh, Senate hearings. Uh, President Trump uh, nominated Mike Pompeo for... um, What is it? He Who got fired? I can't keep up with who got fired (laughs) recently. But anyway, uh, it's a different office than what he's held in the past. And he's already passed a Senate interrogation is what they turn into now. He's passed one like within the last year or so for the office he's now in. And so he's got to go through another one. But boy, they're really sticking it to him. Do you think homosexuality is perversion? Uh, What do you think about gay marriage? Do you think that's hammer, 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 hammer? Well, he's allowed to think what he wants to. But if the devil can get you to say, give a response to it in an affirmative, in an atmosphere where everybody can hear it in a negative light, that's what they want to do and set you up to look bad because they brainwashed everybody into thinking anybody who doesn't like uh, gay marriage is evil. You got me? And so uh, it's, and then the the little nuances. Well, uh, you, you, you can't hate gay people. Nobody said they hate gay people. We don't hate anybody. We love everybody. But sin is sin. Now you can stay homosexual, but you can't go to heaven that way. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, You got to repent of your sins, just like we all we all we all over in the repentance corner. All us Christians are. We didn't gave up our life of sin, but you want to be over here with us and take your sin with you? That ain't allowed. You got me? It's just that simple. It's not allowed. God created the man and the woman, and he created marriage when he created the two of them. Marriage is a part of male-female creation. God had marriage in mind when he said that it wasn't good for the man to be alone. So he created the woman in marriage to the man. The two those two things cannot be separated out of creation. So anything else you want to do and call it marriage is not legitimate. And again, these people who are promoted could care less if them people get married or not, trust me. That's just a tool for them to use to get at us. We're the target all the time and so you know the devil is just really just showing his hand now he's getting bolder because he's running out of playtime. he's tired of playing with christians trying to lure him over so now he'll fight the us on a different level he thinks and so here daniel is they know they've made a decree now anybody who is found worshiping anybody other than who they say they're supposed to worship sound familiar is yes. to be put to death throw them in a den of lions and so the king said okay sounds good to me put it in writing and it cannot be altered he put his seal on it etc so he put it in writing now verse 10 when Daniel learned that the decree had been published he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem Whatever you do, uh, do it just the same way you've always done it. Don't ever try to alter your spiritual life to fit the devil so he won't be mad at you, persecute you, dislike you, send people against you. Don't compromise. You're under the microscope. The more under the microscope you are, do it bolder, louder, prouder. Just don't deviate from your normal pattern. You got me? in fact i would do it even more because you need to stay closer to god when you're under fire and so he went three times a day opened his window got down on his knee and prayed giving thanks to his god just as he had done before then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not say this, king? Did you not think that you would throw him in the lion's den? And, and the, king said, the king said, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, <laughs> the guy you want to promote, we don't want to promote it. Now, listen, nobody thought about the fact that if they get rid of Daniel... Who's going to be the boss over this little mess that they created? See, this is what happens when people get in conspiracies against leadership or people that they don't like because of they serve God. You never think, what's going to happen? I mean, we can get rid of this guy and I want his job and I got all these other people to help me. But what's going to happen to this Whole group of people, if we tear this up, and then we can't figure out how to run things. You see churches where the people start fighting, lock the doors on each other, the deacons bring guns to the, all that kind of stuff. Well, it's one thing to get rid of the pastor that you're all trying to persecute, but what's going to happen? Who's going to run things if you run him out of here? Just a thought. Always glad when somebody uh, who really knows God and loves God gets in trouble. But what's going to happen? You know, if if one of us fails, we all fail. What's going to happen to the body of Christ if they go belly up and can't function and can't do their job for God? That does not help anybody. Amen? It doesn't help a soul. And so people don't think beyond. They just, uh, jealousy, hatred, anger, bitterness, all that stuff will fester in you. And cause you to be an instrument of the devil for real. And you start tearing down things. Just like in this country. They're tearing down institutions. They're tearing down traditions. They're tearing down things. Well, what's going to be left if we let people who are angry tear up everything? Huh? Just like the riots during the 60s. People burned themselves out and had to go now in government housing and they're stuck there. See, in some of our our black communities, we stuck our grandparents in some of this not-so-nice government housing because the house they worked for for years got burned down. Now, guess who's there? Cleveland Clinic? University Hospital? See, somebody's going to get that land. And what did we do? We pushed our ancestors into government housing. Think about it think about it but yet see there's racism because not in white people got that oh that property was just left empty we could have had it if we hadn't burned everything down so anyway daniel gets accused according to the their law of not staying loyal to the king they knew he would be loyal to his God that's why they did it let that be your testimony they knew I wasn't going to waver they knew I wasn't going to say I support gay marriage they knew I was going to say I didn't go along with sin sexual sin any kind of sexual sin you can be forgiven hello see this is what people don't want they don't want to repent and change they want to stay the way they are and and make christians agree with it amen take as many down with us as, as they're going i'm not going down with nobody you understand what i'm saying you can do what you want to do you say what you want to say about me you can do whatever you want you think you're big enough to do but i'm not changing amen so It says, uh, Daniel, who is one, this is verse 13, they said to the king, Daniel, who's one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you or the decree you put in. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard it, it upset him because he loved Daniel. See, what you don't bank on Is that the very person, or what the devil doesn't bank on, is that the very person that he's trying to persecute has favor with high up people. See, God will give you favor with high up people anyway. You got me? Uh, Just because. Hmm? And so the king was upset by it and he sought a way to get Daniel free. But there was a law that, but, that most governments go by. You know, our government goes by too. Once a law is written, it can't just easily be broken. You know, it has to be upheld if it's a valid law. Now, it can be repealed in our form of government, but in their form of government, there was no repeal of, of what was written. Same thing with God's law. God adds mercy to his law all the time. See, there's forgiveness, but that law still stands. Got I me. Mean, he still don't want us lying, cheating, stealing. You know any of that stuff. Coveting stuff belongs. Wanting stuff belongs. He don't want us doing that ever. Amen. That's still the law. But if you find yourself doing those things and breaking the law, you can confess and be forgiven. But that doesn't mean you you have a free pass not to do right. And so here it is. He says, he said the decree, the king answered. The decree stands. And so they said to the king, it's Daniel, and then the king went, used every effort he could until sundown to save Daniel. He kept looking for ways to give him a reprieve, mercy, something. Then the men went as a group. King, uh, uh, Verse 15, to king Darius and said to him, Remember your majesty according to the law, and no secret or anything can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to this to Daniel, May your God, Daniel, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Prayed for him. When you get people who are putting you away praying for, for you, God's made a change somewhere. So here we got the king really going back on his written order. He can't do it in the natural, but he's doing it in the realm of the spirit. You got me? It has more weight in the realm of the spirit than it does in the natural. So God hears him change his decree. So what do you think God's going to do? God's going to go along with what the king says. (laughs) Think about it now. The king says, may your God rescue you. He's not passing the buck to God. But the king's smart enough to know my authority comes from him anyway. And if I hold on to a written decree and don't make intercession for this man, he will die. So the king actually changes his decree where it means the most. He'd care less about them people. In fact, them people who work for him, he know their history. He mad at them. They think they gonna get promoted in Daniel's place, but actually they signed their own death warrant. Because the king's thinking, well, if I can't can't trust them with each other, I can't trust them around me, so I want them gone as soon as possible. You got me? The devil's people always put their neck in the noose. You got me? Always. You don't have to do anything. You got me? Just hold your peace, obey God, keep letting your steps be ordered by Him, and follow those steps. Yes. Got me? So Daniel was delivered over into the lion's den. And it says, the king gave the order, verse 16. They brought Daniel and threw him in the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own ring and with the ring of his nobles so that Daniel's situation may not be changed. The king went to his palace and could not eat or sleep. He fasted and prayed all night long, stayed up all night long with God. At the first light of dawn, he got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called in to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel spoke up and said, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel. Amen. And shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in God's sight. That's the sight that matters. What does God say about you? No not matter what somebody else thinks about you. What does God say about you? Amen. If you're innocent in his sight, you will be spared from everything. Quit proving yourself. Quit thinking people are so powerful. Don't give man power over you. Huh? Give God the glory. He has. He's the one who has power. And the king found out that God was bigger than he was after all. So the king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was lifted up from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. He wasn't dependent on the king anyway. You got me? He was dependent on God just like he did from the beginning. When they first brought him to the palace, he wasn't trying to impress the king. He stayed with God because he knew that was his help. And this is many years later. Amen. Daniel's an old man by the time this thing happens. And so the king told, King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language of the earth, may you prosper greatly. He said, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. He is the living God. He lives forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. And his dominion would never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of lions. So Daniel got his promotion anyway prospered. But at the king's command, verse 24, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all of their bones. And so the, the demise that they devised for a, a servant of God comes upon their own head. Amen. You can't do things against God's people and go unpunished. You got me? It's just not, it doesn't, doesn't happen. Now, you know what Christians, amen, Christians think Well, you know, I'm saved too. I'm a servant of God. That's the, uh, don't go there. You really don't want to go down that road. You got me? You think you're going to be spared because you're saved and you ain't acting saved? Huh? Well, then let's all have a party. Amen? It's like Paul says, shall we all sin so that grace will abound? Huh? God forbid. You don't go that route. You, that you live ever more holy before god you get ever more reverent before him you be ever more mindful amen to be respectful of god and people made in his image amen put the household of faith first if you don't do learn how to do anything else put them first amen People who obey God, that's my company. Amen. I don't put a lot of faith in backsliders, never did, never will. But the people who obey God, they who who love God will do exploits. And them the kind of people I want to be around, amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us today.